As a reminder, the information provided in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek advice of your therapist or qualified mental health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or mental health disorder. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard on this podcast. The host, guests, and podcast network are not responsible for any actions or decisions you make based on the information provided. Now, let's dive right in. Hello, friends, and welcome once again to everybody's favorite therapy-themed podcast. This is This Changes Everything. I'm your host, Sarah, and this week, I'm back with more listener questions. You know, I gotta say, I am so deeply touched and incredibly grateful for all of the calls and messages we've received. You know, it's just so heartwarming to see how many of you reached out, not just to thank me, but to thank our listeners for asking their questions. So your participation truly makes this podcast a community, and I am just beyond grateful. So in today's episode, we're going to be diving into some really profound topics. We're going to be discussing how to support a partner that deals with depression. We're going to be exploring the impact of sexual abuse and trauma on our choice of partners. Uh, We're going to be sharing insights on how to heal your heart after lost love. And we'll also talk about moving on from friendships that maybe no longer serve us. So remember, this is a safe space for all of us to learn and grow and support each other. And if you, listener, have a question or a topic you'd like us to discuss, please do not hesitate to call. Our number again is 313-338-8828, and you can leave a voicemail. You know, we so value your input and really look forward to hearing from you. So let's get started. And, you know, remember that every question and every conversation has the power to change everything. So let's kick it off with question number one. Hi, Sarah. Long-time listener and uh, first-time caller. Um, My question revolves around being sexually assaulted as a teenager um, and how I feel it's affected my relationships throughout the rest of my life. Um, Ever since that I was sexually assaulted and abused at 14 and then again at 16 um, by two different um, married men, I've always found myself attracted to older men. Um, this is something that's bothered me, and you know, my friends have made fun of me about saying that maybe I have daddy issues and stuff. Um, but it's true; I do have a genuine attraction towards older men, um, and maybe that it could be a result of my abuse. Um, I've specifically found myself involved with older, unavailable men as if I'm chasing some kind of exciting high or because it's a familiar situation that I know how to navigate. Um, I've done research on repetition compulsion and how maybe putting myself in the similar situation of the trauma could be a way of helping me cope with it because now I'm in control and, uh, Anyways, um, it's been hard for me to maintain relationships and fully commit because I'd sometimes get bored. But I guess my question is, uh, is something wrong with me? Thanks. Oh, my dear. Well, first of all, I want to just thank you for the courage in sharing such a personal and difficult experience. I mean, your feelings are completely valid, and it is so important to remember that there is no right or wrong way to react to such traumatic events. You know, I really, really want you to give yourself some compassion and grace for what you've been through. 
And really, my heart just goes out to you. And I want you to know that you are not alone and you are not broken or damaged or have daddy issues or any of those things that you may be saying to yourself or you've heard others say. You know, I have been there. It is a really hard thing to do to, um, you know, examine the ways that trauma has affected you and how it impacts your relationships. You know, from what you shared, it seems like you're kind of grappling with the impact of your past experiences on some current attraction patterns. And uh, yeah, let me first tell you, this is a very common response to trauma and absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, or if you know me from my real world days, then you know that this is a topic that, like I said, I have a lot of personal experience with. Uh, you know, and when we experience sexual abuse at a young age, or I mean, any age really, it can significantly impact our relationships and the partners that we choose. And, you know, it's because our experiences, especially those that are traumatic, are what shape our behaviors and our beliefs and our emotional responses. So there are two psychological concepts that I think may help you better understand the why behind your actions. So one, as you mentioned in your voicemail, is that repetition compulsion. So for our other listeners, relationship compulsion is when a person repeats these patterns of behavior that, like you have mentioned, are often rooted in traumatic experiences in their relationships in the present. So the idea behind this is that in some way we're trying to recreate this event over and over in an attempt to kind of fix or I don't know, like master these past traumas. And, and this is all going on subconsciously. You know, you are not consciously choosing to put yourself in these harmful situations. You know, these are feelings and, and compulsions that are driven by this unacknowledged desire to change the outcome of an event that's already happened that you can't change. And, you know, it, it's, it can often do more harm than good to be in this kind of repetition compulsion because chances are good, like 99% more likely that you're going to experience that same negative outcome, which continues that cycle of pain and then reconfirms what you believe about yourself, which is the next thing that I think may be going on here. So in addition to that repetition compulsion, the other thing I think might be at play here is something that's called the self-verification theory. So this theory suggests that we have this tendency to seek confirmation about our self-concept, whether it's positive or negative. So in terms of relationships, this means that we're more likely to choose partners who affirm our existing beliefs about ourselves. So for example, uh, let's see, if I have like low self-esteem or, you know, I hold this belief that I'm unworthy of love, then chances are good, most likely, that I'm going to be drawn to people who treat me poorly or withhold love since those behaviors are confirming what I believe about myself and match that self-perception. And, you know, on the other hand, if I have a positive self-concept and I believe that I'm deserving of respect and kindness, then I'm going to be more likely to choose a partner who treats me well. And it's almost as if like our own beliefs in a way like show or teach somebody how we want to be treated. And this is all happening on a subconscious level. You know, we are not 
aware that we are doing this. And it's a sort of like a way of maintaining consistency and kind of predictability in our lives, even if it leads to really negative outcomes. But, you know, the really good news here is that none of this is set in stone. You know, our self-concept and our beliefs about ourselves can change over time. And when those change, so do our choice of partners. And let me tell you, I am living proof of this. I would not believe it unless I lived it myself. But first, I want you to remember that even though understanding this and understanding why is really helpful, it doesn't mean that you have to change or should change your partners. If, if you're attracted to older men, then you know what? You're attracted to older men and that's fine. As long as the relationships are healthy and they're fulfilling to you and, and you feel like you're getting what you need out of them, that's what we really want. So back to that really good news. Like I said, this is all stuff we can change. You know, I know for myself, I spent so many years in relationships with people who confirmed all of my worst beliefs about myself. You know, I felt like uh, because I had experienced trauma that I, and the kind of trauma that I experienced that, you know, I was like damaged goods or, you know, I had one part who called me a broken toy. And that was so reflective of what I believed about myself at the time. So. Instead of examining like, oh man, why do I always pick these kinds of partners? I instead flipped it around and said, what is it that I believe about myself? And I really started focusing on me and truly loving and accepting myself and, you know, recognizing all of the ways that I was worthy of love. My relationship started to change and I started to attract people who believed better things about me. So if you are looking to change the partners that you pick or the relationships that you have, then nurture the relationship that you have with yourself. And luckily there are wonderful tools and resources to help you do this. So my first number one recommendation, this is something that I have seen in real life and, and experienced myself and it is so amazing. And that would be EMDR therapy. This is a therapy that helps bring up past events and help you re-examine them and reprocess them and change maybe those beliefs that we have about ourselves from those experiences in those past events. And I really just think that this is the gold standard. I mean, I've always called it therapy magic because every time I have a, a client who's done it or a friend who's done it, it is just so impactful. And I've never seen or experienced anything as effective. So I highly recommend, especially, and I should say specifically for trauma and things that have happened in the past and letting go of that, recovering from that, moving on from that. So uh, if you are interested in that, we're going to be doing an EMDR episode coming up soon with an EMDR specialist. So keep an ear out for that. But aside from uh, the EMDR therapy, there are also some wonderful books out there that can talk about how, or that do talk about how the traumas in the past have affected us or do affect us today. One of my favorite ones is The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. It is a book that talks about the impact of trauma on the body and the mind. And I remember when I read this in grad school, everybody in my program agreed that this was by far the most uh, impactful and useful book that we had read in our entire time in the program because it really helped us understand um, the ways that we can store trauma and hold on to trauma and the effects that trauma has on people well after the trauma is over. 
Uh, and the other book that I think you'll really enjoy is Attached by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller, I believe. And this is a book that explores our attachment styles and how they impact our relationships and also provides some information and like clues into maybe why we're attracted to certain people and how to build those secure relationships and kind of how to avoid getting stuck in these patterns of relationships over and over again, which sounds like exactly what you may be dealing with right now. So check that one out. And last but not least, there is a workbook out there. There's a, well, there's a book that goes with it. So there's a book called The Courage to Heal, a guide for uh, survivors of child sexual abuse. And I know you were 14, 16, but to me, that is a child. And I think the book will still absolutely be beneficial and, and you will get a lot from it. But they have a workbook that goes with it that moves you through some exercises and some tools that help you process these feelings, write them out, get them down on paper, you know, kind of look at your thoughts and feelings in maybe a different way. And I highly recommend that. I've used it myself. I've used it with clients and it's always been very helpful. So, uh, you know, I really want you to remember there is absolutely nothing wrong with you. You know, I know that that was, you know, kind of like the, the summary of your question, is something wrong with me? Absolutely not. But if you're starting to recognize that the relationships that you have aren't lining up with what you want or are making you feel not so good about yourself, then there are definitely things that you can do to start to change those patterns and take a look at maybe the things that are contributing to those patterns. So thank you so much for this call. And again, there is nothing wrong with you. So I just want you to take some time to love yourself and to you know just appreciate yourself and where you are on this healing journey. And thank you again for your call. Well, let's take a quick break from our question to talk about the answer to bad BO. Yeah, that's right. Nobody likes to be stinky. And Lumi is here with the solution. Lumi deodorant is the whole body deodorant that's seriously safe to use anywhere on your body. I'm talking pits, underboobs, thigh folds, belly buttons, butt cracks, feet, you name it. This is clinically proven to block odor all day and control odor for up to 72 hours. How do they do it? Unlike certain deodorants that try to mask odor with fragrance, Lumi is formulated and powered by mandelic acid to stop odors before it starts. More like a pre-deodorant. 12 hours after a shower, the average person has an odor level of 6 out of 10. But with Lumi, the average odor level is 0 out of 10. So grab your Lumi starter pack. It's perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, and two free products of your choice. And as a special offer for our listeners, new customers get $5 off that Lumi starter pack with code TCE at lumideodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi Deodorant. Dot com and use code TCE. Enjoy. Hello. I was calling to see if you could do a podcast on struggling with depression. My partner, he's absolutely incredible. He's kind and funny and smart, but he struggles really bad with depression. So I was wondering if you could give some tips on how to manage depression, but then also how to be in a relationship with somebody and how to support them and love them properly. Um, their depression. Thank you so much for your help. I love your podcast. All right. Take care. Thank you so much for reaching out and sharing your story. You know, I want you to know that you are not alone in these feelings. I'm sure there are so many listeners out there who will really benefit from this question. So I just want to thank you so much for the call and just give you a shout out for caring so deeply about your partner and 
you know, even seeking ways to support them through the struggle with depression. Being a partner of a person with depression can be so hard, especially since depression is such a personal inner experience that can be really difficult for those around the you know, around that person to really understand. But, you know, even like I said, even you just calling in and, you know, asking this question shows how much you care and how much you want the best for your relationship and for your partner. So let's talk a little bit about what you can do to not only support your partner, but also support yourself in this time. Now, I'm sure you have done your fair share of this already, but I think the best place to start can often be educating yourself on depression, you know, the causes, the symptoms, treatments, things like that. I know in my life and what I've seen working with individuals with depression and with couples dealing with the same thing. Uh, you know, education and understanding can just do wonders to help increase empathy and compassion. So, you know, educating yourself and understanding how depression affects people and how it's treated can help you understand a little more about what your partner's going through and can help you provide some, you know, meaningful support and also avoid those blaming feelings that are, are so easy to get to when, you know, we're experiencing a partner who may seem like they're kind of trapped in this place. You know, I don't know if your partner is open to this or already doing this, but if your partner isn't already seeking treatment, that is a wonderful thing to do. You know, encouraging them to have somebody to talk to. This could involve finding a mental health professional or, you know, even helping them kind of stick to their treatment plan and reminding them that they have people to talk to about this. You know, simply even being there for them stating that you're there for your partner and you understand what they're going through can be such a big help. And I know that's hard to do, especially if you are frustrated or if you've seen you know, these behaviors continue for a while. Often people who are in that depressive space feel trapped there and feel like there aren't any options. So having a partner that can listen to them, validate their feelings, and really remind them that they're not alone can be really, really helpful. So in those conversations, of course, remember to try to be patient and understanding, even if their mood or behavior is difficult to deal with it sometimes. Another way that you can help is encouraging your partner to have healthy habits. Healthy habits can do so much to help manage the symptoms of depression. It's little tiny things like encouraging them to eat a healthy diet or maybe asking them to go for a walk. Or even just practice some good hygiene, like the power of getting up in the morning and taking a shower can whew, really get your day started. And it just shows that like little steps towards feeling better can work to remind the brain that there are things that we can do to make ourselves feel better. Even if it's, like I said, something as simple as taking a shower. But of course, you know, when I say all this and all the things that you can do to support, I, I really want you to remember that there is only so much that a partner can do. You know, we can model healthy behavior. We can encourage our partner to talk to somebody or engage in that, those healthy habits themselves. But at the end of the day, we can only care so much for a person and they have to do some things to manage these feelings and care for themselves. But things like avoiding blame or making them feel like it's their fault is what we can do. And it's really important to remember that this is a medical condition. 
not a sign of weakness or a character flaw. And so avoiding blaming your partner for their symptoms or criticizing them or telling them to just snap out of it, those are all going to be things that are going to help them on this journey. But most of all, I want you to remember that supporting somebody with depression can be stressful and really emotionally draining. And you know, it's always like that, that air mask analogy where they say you have to put your air mask on before you put somebody's else, somebody else's on. So I want you to remember that this is also the time that you should be taking care of your own mental health as well. You know, this might involve even seeking some help or support from a therapist yourself, or maybe uh, reaching out and finding a support group for people who are in relationships with somebody who is struggling with depression. There's also a great book out there called I Don't Want to Talk About It, Overcoming the Secret Legacy of Male Depression by Terrence Reel. And this book goes over 20 years of experience of treating men and their families as a psychotherapist. And he talks about how depression is this silent epidemic in men, and men can often hide their condition from family or friends or themselves to avoid this stigma of depression's you know, he puts it as like unmanliness, problems that we think of as typically male, like difficult with intimacy, uh, alcoholism, abusive behavior, and rage are often attempts to cover up or escape depression. And these attempts quite obviously would interfere with relationships and affect family. And so this book can be really helpful to understand how depression affects men specifically. And I want to encourage you to read that, take a look at that. There's also a wonderful book out there called How to Survive When They're Depressed, which explores depression from the perspective of the people who are closest to the one struggling with depression, which is exactly what we're talking about today. So that book is by Anne Sheffield, and it talks about how to manage what she calls depression fallout. And this is everything from setting boundaries to maintaining an outside social life for yourself. And she gives very practical tactics to handle the challenges of emotional stresses on a day-to-day basis. So give that one a read. That one's called How You Can Survive When They're Depressed by Anne Sheffield. Um, Again, like I always love to say, there are so many different online forums and, and groups out there of people who are dealing with exactly what you're feeling. So do not hesitate to take a look at those and, you know, remind yourself you are not alone in this. And remember, every person's experience with depression is so different. So what works for one person might not work for another person. And it's so important to openly communicate with your partner about what they find is helpful and be patient as they navigate their treatment. And remember that you are not alone in this and you are already just showing what a kind and supportive, caring partner you are by being interested or curious about how you can better help. So I want to thank you so much for this call. I know that this is going to be very helpful for a lot of people. And thank you for being the, um, you know, supportive partner that you are. You know, speaking of questions, one question I'm always struggling with is what the heck am I going to have to eat? I find the whole act of like 
having to think about what I'm going to make and go grocery shopping for what I make to just sometimes be overwhelming, especially when I have a busy schedule. And that is why I love Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest really takes the guesswork and effort out of cooking because they deliver delicious smoothies and other options that are built on organic fruits and vegetables straight to my door so I can get yummy smoothies and meals that are ready in minutes without all that trouble of shopping or prepping or cleaning up. So when it comes to variety, Daily Harvest is always keeping things exciting. They have tons of great smoothies and other meal options that are so delicious, I never get bored. So take the guessing out of eating well and try Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash TCE and get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash TCE for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Dailyharvest.com slash TCE. So my partner and I have been in a relationship now for almost five years. And for the most part, it's, it's good. We're very connected. He's very affectionate and loving. I enjoy being around him. Um, in the past, we had we hit a few rough, rough patches. Um, one of them, I admittedly was controlling. Um, I had a lot of insecurities and baggage from past relationships that I hadn't dealt with. And, um, you know, I was controlling in the sense that I was petrified of other women coming into his life. And, you know, I would snoop his email and... Um, you know, I would even ask him to block, like, certain women just because I was so afraid um, of women being a threat. And I've since worked through those issues. And, you know, we went to a couple therapy, and he, um, you know, during those really hard times of our relationship, he did do things where he strayed a little bit to pursue things like fetishes. And um, that was a boundary for me personally, um, where I was like, okay, you know, I have to back off and not cross boundaries myself out of respect for him. Like, he should be able to have, you know, women colleagues. But, you know, there were certain things that I'm still having trouble trusting him with because during those hard times, he did reach out to other women in ways that didn't feel good for me. Um, and so it's hard because there's days where the anxiety gets very overwhelming for me and I struggle, like, wondering, you know, am I in the right relationship? Um, I don't know if I'm truly thriving in it. Um, and then there's other days where I'm like, oh, I just feel so grateful that I'm in this relationship and I'm, you know, I feel loved and calm and it's a roller coaster and it's not easy. Um, sometimes. And I just wanted to see if you guys had any advice for something like that, like rebuilding trust. Um, is it possible? Yeah. Um, love your podcast. Thank you very much for all you guys do. All right. Well, firstly, I want to thank you so much for reaching out and sharing your story. You know, it's clear you're dealing with a lot of complex emotions here. And I just want to validate that what you're feeling is completely normal. I mean, relationships are a journey and it's okay to have highs and lows. From what you shared, it sounds like the main issue we're dealing with here is trust. You know, trust is the bedrock of any relationship. And once it's been damaged, it can be so difficult to rebuild. However, not impossible. It requires open communication and understanding and time. 
You know, trust is such a hard thing for so many of us. And often we can bring things from past relationships into our current ones. So I want to start off first by giving you so much credit for having the awareness to be able to take accountability for the thoughts and the feelings that you may be bringing in from past relationships or fears that may be exacerbated by those thoughts. The reality is here, we cannot control another person's actions or behaviors, but we can control how we respond and the stories that we tell ourselves. You know, trust is this multifaceted concept in relationships that involves so much. It involves honesty, dependability, and faith, really, in your partner's intentions. But when trust is broken, it, of course, can lead to feelings of insecurity and anxiety, and that sounds like a lot of what you're experiencing. So it's so important to remember that trust is not just about your partner's actions, but also about your reactions. You know, it's about learning to manage those insecurities and those fears and not letting those fears control your actions or your thoughts. You know, I've always said that we're not responsible for our first thought or our first feeling, but we are responsible for our second thought and our first action. I'll tell you a little bit more for uh, for example, if you see a communication between your partner and another woman online, it's so natural and understandable that your first feeling would be fear or concern. And maybe the first thought might be, oh no, he's being unfaithful. But then you have the power to step in and come up with the second thought and the first action you take. Something like, um, okay, he chooses to be in this relationship and he shows up uh, for me and he supports me and his love for me, you know, by X, Y, and Z. Give yourself some examples. And then the first action you can take in those moments is just something like stopping and taking a deep breath in the moment, you know, just giving yourself that pause and not letting those anxious thoughts lead your mind down some path that may be rooted in I should say, may not be rooted in reality. You know, it, that can be so effective, but I have to say, you know, this, of course, is so much easier said than done. And this is a skill to practice. And the more that we practice this kind of response, the easier it gets and the less frequently you will find your mind going to those places of worry. You know, I know for me, it took me a long time to learn how to trust especially after trust had been broken in other relationships. And I spent a long time focusing on things like who my ex was talking to online. And the reality is if we go looking for things and view our partner's behavior through the lens of them being unfaithful or untrustworthy, then we can start to read into things and make assumptions or let that anxious mind fill in the blanks with a whole lot of incorrect information. Now. That being said, of course, if there is a breach of trust or a crossing of boundaries, then those, of course, are important actions to discuss with your partner. And when we use that, or I should say when we do that, we want to use that model that we've talked about before on this show, that communication mad libs. I feel blank when you do blank, and what I need is blank. I'll give you a little example. Um... So I'm, of course, just guessing your feelings here, but what it may sound like is, you know, I feel rejected and disappointed when you turn to women outside of our relationship for comfort and support. And what I want is for us to be in a trusting relationship where you can feel safe coming to me when I see 
that you're having a hard time or when you are having a hard time. And you see, when we say it like that and we use those I statements, it doesn't feel like we're accusing anyone of everything or anything. It doesn't feel like we're blaming them for something. And that is where we can have those good, healthy communications and where our partner can really hear and understand, hopefully, our feelings and how their actions affect us. Remember that it is okay to have doubts and fears, but what is important is that you're willing to work on them and grow from them. And, you know, you're not alone in this. There are resources out there and there are people who can help. I really think, I know for me, when I was in a relationship where there was a breach of trust in the past, like I said earlier, I carried a lot of those things into future relationships. And I know for me, individual therapy and uh, working on the challenging those thoughts in my head with a therapist was so helpful and beneficial. So I really encourage you to reach out and do some individual work and recognize how maybe you might be bringing in some fears or worries that may be impacting your current relationship. And when it comes to books and resources, I, the thing that pops into my head that I think would be so great for you is uh, uh, videos or books by Brene Brown. She's got a great book called Daring Greatly, How the Courage to be Vulnerable Transforms the Way We Live, Love, Parent, and Lead. And this book really discusses the power of vulnerability and how being vulnerable can help overcome trust issues in relationships. She has this amazing acronym that she uses to break down these seven elements of trust. Uh, she calls it BRAVING, B-R-A-V-I-N-G. And I'll go through a few of those with you right now. So B, boundaries, that's setting boundaries and making clear boundaries. And it's okay in your relationship to say what's okay and what's not and why. R is reliability, meaning you'll do what you say that you will do. A is accountability. Does this person own their mistakes, apologize, make amends? V is v being a vault, meaning that we can trust a person when they don't share our information and the experience that, that we do share with them or the information we do share with them is held in high regard and you know confidential. Uh, then we have I, integrity, which means choosing courage over comfort, sometimes choosing what's right over what's fun or fast or easy, and practicing your values, not just professing them. Then N is non-judgment. says, can I ask for what I need in this relationship? Can my partner ask for what they need in this relationship? Can we talk openly about our needs without judgment? And the last is generosity. You know, extending the most generous interpretation of the intentions, words, and actions of others. This one I think might be a big one for you that can I be generous with my partner and give him the benefit of the doubt and interpret his actions not as one of mistrust, but as, you know, maybe what he needs in the moment. So I really recommend the Brene Brown book, and I think that you will get a lot from that. She also has some wonderful TED Talks out there on this. And uh, yeah, you know, I just want you to stay strong and keep believing in the power of love and the power of trust, because it's something that we can grow and we can work on. 
And like I said, relationships have their ups and downs, but the ways that we work through these situations and the ways that we learn better communication and more open communication with our partners is what differentiates the good and healthy relationships from the ones that are unhealthy. So I wish you the best uh, with you and your partner and your journey to grow together and learn more about trust. Okay, so before we dive into our next question, let's talk about a tool that is so helpful if you're somebody who's looking to start a health and wellness journey, and that is Allo Moves. Allo Moves is an on-demand streaming wellness platform from Allo Yoga. And from yoga to fitness to meditation and self-care, this app has it all. I am all about small daily rituals that help to make a big difference, and Allo Moves gets it. Whether I'm needing some alignment, some guided meditation, or if I'm I'm just like ready to kick some butt in a cardio or hit class. Allo Moves has what I need and has it when I need it. So no matter your path, it is time to make a move with Allo Moves. You can get a free 30-day Allo Moves subscription by going to allomoves.com and use code TCE. That's allomoves.com, code TCE in all caps, allomoves.com, code TCE, and get that health and wellness journey started today. Hi, my name's Laura. I'm 27. Um, my question for you is, how how do I be okay with not being friends with someone anymore? It's been like a lifelong problem of mine where I'm a typically very, I don't know, bubbly person and I have a lot of, I've always had a lot of friendships. And they've not always meant as much to me as they mean to other people because I have so many and some people, some of my friends don't. And especially when I lose friendships like that, I feel very bad for years, even like, you know, middle school friendships, I still feel bad about. But there's often times where I reach out to catch up and then we try to be friends again and then the reason come back up why we're not friends. We're just not a good match. But how am I, how do I be okay with just not being friends with anyone anymore? Not with anyone, but you know, people that I still love and care a lot about, I just feel like it, it hurts and I feel like I'm hurting other people. And I want to be close to people that I love, but I only have limited space and time and the friends that I do have close to me now are very important and yeah you have any advice for me thanks guys love you hi laura thank you so much for reaching out and sharing this experience you know navigating friendships is so difficult and the loss of them and i just really want to validate that what you're feeling is very normal in friendships you know friendships like any relationship can be complicated and filled with their ups and downs but to reiterate your concern it seems like you're struggling with the guilt and some sadness that maybe comes from losing friendships even friendships from the past you know it also sounds like you're struggling with the challenge of wanting to maybe maintain connections with people that you care about but you're recognizing that you like all of us have limited time and energy so let's dive a little bit deeper on the topic of friendships you know friendships are such a vital part of our life they provide support and joy and companionship but 
remember, not all friendships last forever, and that's very okay. People change and grow, and sometimes they grow apart, and this is all just a normal part of life. The first thing to understand is that it is okay to let go of friendships that no longer serve you or make you happy, and it doesn't mean in any way that you are a bad person or a bad friend. It simply means that the dynamic of the friendship has changed, and it's important to remember that just because a friendship ends, it does not diminish the value or the good times that you had or the things that you shared together. You know, we're all on our own journeys here, and sometimes those journeys uh, with other people are our parallel journeys, and we're growing together, and we're going through experiences at the same time, but then sometimes those paths separate and deviate, and maybe it's time for you to go on your own path and, and her to maybe start her own path. And secondly, you know, it's okay to prioritize your time and energy. Like I said, we all have limited time and resources, and it's very important to invest into relationships that are mutually beneficial and fulfilling. And it is by no means selfish to take care of your own needs or well-being. You know, that is our number one job. It, it sounds crazy when we say like those people who say, oh man, that person puts themselves first. Well, who the heck else are we supposed to put first? If, if we don't put ourselves first, who's going to? So it is okay to put your own needs first and to recognize that you might be losing more than you might be gaining from this relationship. And I think I discussed this in a previous episode on friendship where I say, this might just be growing pains that you are experiencing at this time. And who knows how the relationship may grow or develop, uh, you know, some years down the road. So if right now is a time where you guys are not close and maybe aren't a good match, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be like that forever. It just means that right now you guys aren't getting what you need in the relationship and that, my dear, is okay. But if you are struggling with those feelings of, am I a good friend or, you know, what can I do to be a better friend? It can sometimes be helpful to ask some of the people that you're closest to. You know, that's a very vulnerable thing to do. It can seem like a really scary thing to do. But I've had conversations with my own friends when I've been worried that maybe we're drifting apart. And I've asked them, you know, hey, is there anything that I can do to be a better friend? Or what do you need in this friendship? And sometimes just asking that and showing your support will strengthen the friendship in and of itself and show that you guys are there for each other and that you're committed. But recognizing that that might not be something that you can do in every relationship is you know, important and okay. And you know, keep that in mind. You know, in terms of resources, there are some good books on friendship out there. There's one that's by uh, Lydia Dentworth, and it's called Friendship, the Evolution, Biology, and Extraordinary Power of Life's Fundamental Bond. And this book explores the importance and complexities of friendships. So maybe understanding a little bit more about the friendship dynamic can help some of those feelings of guilt that you have. And I also think that that TED Talk that I talked about before, Brene Brown, TED Talk on Vulnerability, I think it's called The Power of Vulnerability, would also be a great starting point because so much of friendship and having those open conversations is about vulnerability. So 
remember that it is okay to let go of those friendships that no longer serve you or make you happy. And it's okay to prioritize your time and energy for the relationships that are most important to you. And it's totally normal to feel guilt or sadness when a relationship ends, but that is part of life and growth. And there are so many resources out there to help you navigate these feelings and understand the dynamics of friendships better. You know, I, I thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope that some of the things that we talked about today and some of the things in past uh, episodes can really help you navigate some of these feelings. And, you know, keep in mind that many people struggle with these same issues. And really, it's a testament to your kindness and your empathy to care so much about those lost friendships, but also so important to care for yourself and your own needs. And I just really thank you for calling in and asking this question. And I wish you the best in your friendships. And I wish you some peace and some grace that you can give yourself. And remember that friendships may grow and they may change. But again, that does not diminish the memories and the wonderful times that you shared together and the things that you got from those friendships in the past. So thank you for your call and thank you for listening. Hi, Jeff and Sarah. Uh, my pronouns are they, them. I guess my main question is like, what do you do when like time doesn't seem to be healing? your wound when a relationship didn't work out and it ended. Um, I'm like really struggling years after this relationship that was very short, just a couple of months with someone that I like met and it was, you know, on and popping from the day we met lasted a couple of months. I wanted to be in a relationship. He did it. So we went our separate ways and I've been really grieving and like struggling with it for what feels like just I know we're not supposed to judge ourselves so like what feels like a disproportionate amount of time and this person has moved on uh he is in like a a a serious relationship with someone which like is really difficult because he wouldn't be in a relationship with me and like now he's partnered to someone else and that you know, really painful. And I just, yeah, I like don't really understand why time won't heal it. Um, and yeah, I don't know. These are some things that I thought you might have been able to help with. Um, also, I feel the need to disclose that there was like a, like a pretty significant age difference in this relationship, I was 23 at the time. This person was 37. Um, and I am also, like, suffering from the feeling of, like, I'm never going to feel that way again. And I know you've spoken to that plenty of times on the show, you know, like, people being really young and feeling that way. But I guess that's just to, like, add some context to this relationship and what I am going through with it. So thank you so much for listening. I um, hope to hear from you guys. Thanks. Hi there. Thank you so much for reaching out and sharing your story. You know, I just want to validate that breakups are the worst, especially ones that don't end on our terms. And that can be so incredibly difficult to navigate. You know, from what you shared, it really sounds like there's some lingering pain from that past relationship and some struggle to move on. 
you know, it also sounds like there's some fear of not experiencing that same intensity of feelings again. And I want you to understand that there is no set timeline for healing from a breakup. You know, everyone heals at their own pace and it is totally okay if it is taking you longer than you expected. You know, the fact that that person has moved on and is in another serious relationship can definitely add another layer of pain. But remember that their actions do not reflect your worth or your desirability. You know, that one was a big one for me when I went through a divorce and then I saw my ex get married again and then, you know, have a baby with that partner. It felt in some way like I wasn't enough or maybe he chose somebody who can fill needs that I wasn't able to fill. But those were just the stories that I was telling myself. And just because you see somebody else experiencing things with a new partner that's not you does not mean that those experiences aren't available to you in the future as well. And I I thank you for giving us that context of the age difference because perhaps the age difference you mentioned could have contributed a little bit to the dynamics of the relationship or even the intensity of the feelings that you felt. You know, it's possible that an older partner kind of brought this level of maturity or experience or stability that maybe was new or exciting for you. But age does not necessarily equate to compatibility or a successful relationship. And it could be that you guys were at different stages of your life and maybe that partner was looking for things that um, were maybe different than what you were looking for at the time. And that is not a reflection of, of you know, something you're doing wrong or a, a lack in you. It is just what your partner needed. And it is okay to grieve the loss of that relationship and take the time that you need to heal. And it's also okay to feel scared about the future. But remember that you are so capable of experiencing love and passion again. Uh, you know, I, I remember when I went through a really bad breakup, I had that same feeling. And I, I remember talking to my mom about it. And I was like, Mom, I'm never going to find love again. And she said, the fact that you experienced that amount of love and the feelings that you felt means that you have the capacity for that. And if you have the capacity of that, it also means that you are capable of experiencing that love and passion again. And you're so worthy of a relationship that meets your needs and meets your desire. So let's talk a little bit about some tools or, or some actions that you can take to get through that process and maybe allow yourself to grieve. So first, you know, do just that. Allow yourself to grieve. It is so okay to feel sad or hurt or scared or lost or any other emotion that you may be feeling because breakups really are a kind of loss and it's so natural to grieve and you do not need to rush yourself through that process. You know, and of course, reach out to others, lean on those support systems, you know, talk to friends and family about what they're going through or what you're going through, excuse me. They can often provide um, some context or, or give us some information that maybe we are too close to the problem to see or to realize. And don't forget to really prioritize you in these times, like practice that good self-care, take care of your physical health, do things that make you feel good and help you relax. And this is going to be my number one piece of advice that's going to be 
a hard one to do, hard one to follow, maybe a hard one to hear, but I'm telling you, it is the most effective. Uh, limit contact with the ex. That can be so, so tough, especially if you're used to talking to them or you're used to seeing them all the time. You know, I know you've said it's been some time, but I have a feeling that maybe you might be seeing them on social media or checking in every now and then and maintaining contact or, you know, looking into their lives through, you know, just what you see on the internet does not give you an accurate portrayal of what's really going on and can make your mind fill in a bunch of blanks or tell you a story that is not rooted in reality. So consider unfollowing them. Consider maybe like restricting or blocking the account to just give yourself a break because taking a break from that and not exposing yourself to those feelings over and over can really help with that healing process. And remember that holding on to anger and resentment can really prolong the healing process. So try to forgive not just your ex in this, but forgive yourself in this. And that doesn't mean we have to like forget the actions of somebody that were hurtful or, or, you know, condone their actions, but we can work on letting go of resentment and that can be so freeing. And so remember, there is no set timeline for healing from a breakup and everybody moves on at their own pace and that is okay. So please just be patient with yourself and take it one day at a time. And remember that the healing process is not linear. So there might be times where you feel better and there might be times where you feel worse. But the more you can do to focus on you, the better you will be at moving through and coming out the other side of this. And there's a really beautiful book out there that I think you are just going to love. It's by Susan Piver and it's called The Wisdom of a Broken Heart, An Uncommon Guide to Healing, Insight, and Love. And she said that, a heart that is broken has been broken open. And she has this quote that says, when my heart was broken, it changed my life. From the most painful experience came the ability to find and appreciate lasting love. So this book talks about uh, her experiences, but it also has exercises and funny stories and meditations and a lot of down-to-earth practical advice for how to cope with some of the feelings that you're experiencing. And it's written from this kind of Buddhist perspective. So it, it just feels good to read. So I really encourage you to read that, check out that resource, um, and really be kind to yourself and know that this is a journey to healing and you are doing just fine and just give yourself that patience as you move through these feelings. And thank you so much for listening and so much for your call. Well, what great questions you guys had today. We talked about friendship. We talked about how to support somebody when they're dealing with depression. We talked about how to navigate difficult feelings when you're still grieving pain from lost love. And, you know, I just want to thank all of you listeners for your continued support. Remember that all of these book recommendations, articles, and videos are all listed in the show notes. So make sure you go check those out. And if you'd like to leave a voicemail, you can call us at 313-338-8828. We are always excited about hearing your questions. And thank you guys so much for the vulnerability. You know, I know our listeners get so much from your questions. So thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, don't forget to leave a review on the podcast app. I absolutely love the nice things that I'm hearing you guys say. And 
I am just so happy about this community that we are growing and the supportive people that we have listening to this podcast. So thank you so much. And I can't wait to talk to you next time on This Changes Everything. Everything.